Hey gamers, this is Joe from What I'm Playing Now, and I have episode 132 of the podcast that was originally recorded on September 25th of 2016. Under the What I'm Playing Now part of the show, I have a great interview with Lucy Kiefer from Kiefer Art, and we discuss her game, which is currently on Kickstarter, called Sherlock Holmes and Moriarty's Web. Enjoy the episode. everyone this is joe from what i'm playing now and i have an interview here with lucy kiefer from kiefer art and we're going to be talking about her current game on kickstarter and it is called sherlock holmes and moriarty's web lucy thanks for joining me with this evening and kind of handling all the audio issues i seem to be having which are very very fun that is okay (laughs) and we now get to have some conversation again that we just had but did not get recorded which has never happened to me before in all the years i've been doing this podcast right yeah audio issues seem to be resolved fingers crossed yep i see you i see you actually moving the bar now when you're speaking and it's not just sitting there not doing anything so okay we get to talk about sherlock holmes and moriarty's web this is your first kickstarter yes and you have four days left on it, and you're close to your goal of 22130 You're currently at 16968 You said about 76%, yes. I think? Yep, that's about 76%. Uh, and hopefully we make it. I think we may. Knock I, on wood. Knock on wood. You're going <laughs> to get there. And like we were just saying, usually the last three days of a podcast, or of a podcast, of a Kickstarter, <laughs> you will usually get a nice surge in backers. So hopefully you guys will get that, and it will help push you over that little bit of a goal. Yes, that is what I read. That's what I read about Kickstarters. But And I, I have noticed that on some on some of the Kickstarters that I've watched over the years. It does seem like like what you were saying, there's a huge influx of people during the initial part. Usually there's a lull, and then at the end there's usually a nice uptick. Yes, yes. And Kickstarter Kickstarter the site itself very much likes to advertise, you know, the latest and greatest and, you know, back it now or until or before it's totally gone. Like because those that's exciting. Right. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about Sherlock Holmes and Moriarty's Web. This appears to be, from the video that I've watched and from reading about it, it's a really cool, interesting little tile placement game. Yes. It's also cooperative, which is fun. Mm -hmm. There aren't terribly many cooperative games out there. And this is one of them. This fits into my favorite genre of games, which is the either the Euro game or the Euro style game or the gateway game. Mm Mm-hmm. Something that's meant to be fairly simple to play, but lots and lots of complex strategy. From watching the video, it does seem like there was quite a bit going on because I'm looking at the Kickstarter and it says you need three to six players to play and it should play in about 20 to 45 minutes. Yes. And I saw in watching the video that there's that there are quite a few choices you know, that the players were making while they were basically placing the tiles. It was, you, you're trying to decide when to move, what tile to actually choose, which may help you solve one of the crimes that are currently on the table. 
And then how to place that tile so it could possibly, you can solve some of those crimes because you're trying to match up the different, the, the, the different tiles and the placement of them, which I thought was a really interesting mechanic. The basic premise of the game is that evil Professor Moriarty is behind all of the unsolved crimes in London. And we don't know exactly how he's behind them, but he's the mastermind. He's behind them all. So the way the board is set up is you have Moriarty. He's a title of tile in the middle. And then you have all the unsolved crimes, which are tiles around him. And what you have to do is build build chains of tiles, which are of, of other tiles, detective tiles, which are informants and which are clues and witnesses and locations. And you're supposed to make these, these long linky chains linking the crimes to Moriarty. So what you end up in the end is a thing that looks kind of like a web with Moriarty in the center and all the crimes around him. And it's meant to look like sort of what's going on inside Sherlock Holmes's head. Mm-hmm. Like, like, you know, I, 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 elementary is probably my favorite Sherlock Holmes show on at the moment. And he'll do these, when he's solving crimes, he'll do these giant things across the wall that look like collages basically with right. just all of the, just with, with all of the suspects and all of the clues and they're all connected with bits of string, like you know, conspiracy theorist style. And it just, it looks looking at that. It looked like a game that looked fun. And it's kind of funny that you say that because I mentioned to you when we were doing our first recording that the game actually kind of reminded me of something. Okay. And I and I and it's not another board game, but I don't know if you've actually ever played any of the Sherlock Holmes computer games or either on the console or on the PC. Some of the more recent ones when Sherlock Holmes actually finds clues and goes into like a deduction mode you go into a special screen where it's kind of like a web. Ah, very this, cool. And this game really reminded me of that. And I was and I was sitting there watching the video and watching the playthrough, and I was like, this really reminds me of the computer game. And I go, I never even thought about that whole web piece being turned into a game. But it's, it, I mean, and, and your game's quite different than that, but it just, it just reminds me of it. So if you... Go out there and maybe look for a couple of YouTube videos from people playing maybe some of the Sherlock Holmes games. You'll see what I'm looking. You'll see what I'm you know kind of talking about. Yeah, I will it's, absolutely. Yeah. It's kind of interesting, but whenever you have a clue, what you try to do with that in that kind of like mode of the game is you're trying to figure out from one of the clues which linking certain things together, and sometimes you can link them incorrectly, mm-hmm. and you're trying to basically solve that. That helps you solve the crime then as you're going through and playing the game and i had played one of the games recently probably about six months ago or so where i played through one of the more recent um, sherlock holmes games i think on my playstation 4 i played like the whole thing and it was it was really good and when i you know when i started seeing your gameplay and everything i go well that reminds me of that and i go that's that's actually brilliant i go that using the web and everything i go and i was wondering if you had actually ever even seen that because if you haven't, it's amazing that you really came up with this whole concept and idea. It's, it's really cool. <laughs> Thank you. No, I need to go and look at that immediately. Very important. <laughs> um, yeah, no, one of our reviewers described the game as like being inside Sherlock Holmes's head, which mm-hmm. I thought was a really cute description. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, the other aspect of it is because it is cooperative. Everybody plays as either Sherlock Holmes or one of his friends, and the game is Moriarty. Moriarty is a, a deck of cards. Mm-hmm. And at the end of your turn, depending on how many unsolved crimes there are, you pick a number of Moriarty cards and you see what Moriarty is going to do. And he steals crimes. Sorry, no. He steals clues and he kidnaps witnesses and he does things to break up your case. Sometimes he'll even, sometimes he'll kidnap you. So it'll always be like you you have a you have a case and everything's sort of worked out and then Moriarty take, kidnaps your key witness and everything falls apart and you have to find a new way to connect everything up again uh, before Moriarty gets too powerful. Right, and and in the video it seemed that. That was it, they 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 ran into a few cards that really weren't which just came up at the wrong time because there were just so many cases that needed to be solved and so many oh, crimes yeah. that were on the table at that one time I think they were up to like eight and watching the video of that playthrough and I was like wow I was like things went awfully awfully poor for them very quickly oh yes <laughs> yes things can go really south really fast uh, um. This was a really tough game to balance. I spent a lot of time tweaking rules and balancing this one. Me and me and my dad, who mm-hmm. is a is a big sort of veteran of the game design industry. Now, is this the, is this the first game you guys have designed together? No, uh, it's the it's the first game I sort of took the lead on designing okay. design wise. Dad has been in the has been a, in the game design industry all my life and because of that I've sort of peripherally been in the game design industry all my life and he's been at Mattel he's been at Spin Master he's been at Hasbro he's been at Parker Brothers he's been everywhere and a couple years ago he went he became a freelance inventor freelance consultant so it just became very kind of natural that I'd be pulled in to help help him design games, help him test games, mm-hmm. writing. You know, I'm I'm a, I'm a writer also, so I so I write con- so I'll write the content for games. If it's a card game where think cards needs things written on them, it's very it's a lot it's it's a lot easier to design a game with two people than one pe- than one person. Yeah, there's otherwise. There's... Yes, otherwise, yeah. if it's I mean, you can do it, and I and there definitely was a a bit of time where I was just sitting on the floor playing the game multiple times to make sure the balancing was correct with um, stuffed animals. And I'm not insane. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of funny. (laughs) It makes it it easier to, it makes it easier to keep the, to, to keep the turn sequence in order. Yeah, sometimes sometimes learning a game, and when I try to play like a multiplayer game solo for that first time, usually halfway through the game, I get very confused, and I'm like, "Whose turn was I just playing, and what was I trying to do?" And I'm like, "Oh, I, I think I just messed up." Yeah, <laughs> helps if you symbolize the players with the, yeah. the stuffed animals. That's a good idea. I may have to, I may have to try that because usually, I, you know, I could try to grab my cats, but they'll just try to knock pieces all over mm-hmm. the board so it probably wouldn't work too well <laughs> when i was yeah when i was running for the game because it's very important like what i wanted for this game was if you play this game three times 
you'll win t- you'll you'll win once and Moriarty will win twice. That's kind of the balance I was going for. That's the amount of difficulty I wanted. Okay. And it just it just took a lot of playthroughs to get it to where Moriarty was wasn't so easy to beat that it was boring and it wasn't so hard to beat that it was just frustrating and impossible. But no, I but no, I, I walked in with my uh, stuffed animals and my sister and my sister saw me and she's like, Lucy, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm designing a game. And she's like, that's good, because I thought this was just the saddest thing I had ever seen in my life. <laughs> now, I saw now in the video, there were only two people playing the game, but I saw that it's three to six. Could you actually d- does it have to be three to six? Can you get away with two players maybe? And then maybe both of you take charge of that third person, kind of like they did in the video. Yeah. I mean, that's how we play tested it. We play tested it with sort of both of us playing the third person or with both of us playing two people. Uh, Another aspect of this game is that depending on who you're playing, you get a a special power. You essentially get a rule you can break Mm -hmm. depending on the personality of your Sherlock Holmes character. So that's a huge part of the strategy is which combination of people do you play with? Even what order do you play? Do, do they play in makes a great deal of difference. Yeah. And it seemed like some of the different abilities that the characters have are really interesting. I mean, I really, I really uh, yes. like the variety, you know, that, that they, everybody have, everybody's bringing something you know else to the table. And I like like in reading the rule book, you know, people, you, you were saying, you know, if you're playing like an easier game or just learning, do Sherlock Holmes. If you want somebody a little harder, you know, I think you're supposed to go. I think you would suggest maybe going with Mrs. Hudson, I think was who you had suggested. Oh, Mrs. Hudson isn't harder. She's actually the best piece, but she's oh, the okay. most difficult she's the most difficult to play. That's the thing. Ah. So that's the thing. So you have to be you sort of do need sort of your game game player chops to properly play Mrs. Hudson. Because she has her power is you know, because Mrs. Hudson, like she's the landlady, she feeds everyone and makes sure everyone sleeps. She supports everyone. So her power is she gets to make someone else more powerful. So she just gets on her turn to decide which of the other which of the other powers she wants, which is kind of the most strategic power. And if you're clever about it, kind of the best power. But it also requires the most decisions to be made. And if you're just starting off, and if you're just starting out playing the game, that can be that can be difficult. Probably a little overwhelming. Oh I yeah, mean, from from, yeah. from from reading like all the different abilities that are there, knowing which mm-hmm. ones to use at the proper time if during your first couple of playthroughs may be a little tricky. <laughs> oh yeah, so, definitely. Yeah, I could definitely oh, see yeah, that. No, when... <laughs> yes, but uh, no, I'm, I'm I'm that was I'm very pleased with the. The, the fun abilities for the characters. It does make a difference who, who you're playing and which combination you're playing with. Now, I saw in the Kickstarter that you guys had a picture where um, you guys, there was a picture at Comic-Con? Yes. Did you guys, have you been to any of the other um, big shows like um, Gen Con or did you go to Origins this year or anything? Were you able to get uh... any, of the, any of that type of scene this year? Oh goodness! We did Comic Con and we did Strategicon. Okay. And I think, unless I'm forgetting one, I think I might be forgetting one. I, that those were the conventions that we went to this year. Okay. It's we did a lot of 
game cafes and a lot of like going and, and like guest appearances at a lot of Sherlock Holmes groups. We went to we went to cons. It all oh goodness, there were just so many. It all kind of it all blends together a little bit. But next year, yes, next year we've definitely got our sights set on Gen Con, possibly Origins, definitely two two one B Con in Atlanta. Oh, that's cool. I didn't even know there was a con down there like that in Atlanta. That's neat. Yeah, that's that's the possibly Sherlocked, which is the Sherlock convention in London. We'll oh, see. Wow. Interesting. That's mm -hmm. cool. Yes, I'm going to be going to Origins next year, and I went to my first Gen Con this year. And I would, Gen Con's fun, yeah. Gen Con was Gen Con was interesting. Gen Con was 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 fun. It was very fun, but it's just wow. It is just a very oh, large, yeah. huge spectacle. I was like, wow, this is almost like just overload. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I was I was texting my wife while I was there. I was like, yeah, remember when we went, when we went out to Penny Arcade Expo out there in Boston? I was like, yeah, this is that, you know, kind of like even maybe even a little bigger. I was like, it was definitely kind of crazy. And she's like, well, I'm glad you're there and I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, Comic-Con, uh, I, I did enjoy, Comic-Con was sort of the first public appearance of this mm -hmm. game, actually. In retrospect, I think I would have liked to have started its publicity tour a little bit earlier, but whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, Comic-Con was, Comic was a nice place to debut it. Uh, we, were at the, we were at the Baker Street Babe Sherlock event, and it was fantastic. The place was mobbed. There was a line to get in. Stephen Moffat showed up. He oh, wow. The, showrunner for he's the showrunner for the bbc sherlock mm -hmm. it was it was it was awesome that's cool <laughs> so now you've it, it says that you've done a lot with sherlock holmes or you've studied a lot uh, what's your what's been your whole background with sherlock holmes we haven't really touched on that my, much oh yes my background with sherlock holmes uh oh gee that's a that's a big question <laughs> No, no, I've, I, it's, it's because before I could read, I had those, I had the uh, Sherlock Holmes radio plays from the fifties, okay, which are awesome, which are awesome. It's, it's very normal when you're in a new group of, of, of Sherlock Holmes people to be like, who is your first Holmes? Which sort of means, which is the first Holmes you kind of connected with? Whose voice do you hear in your head when you're reading the Sherlock Holmes stories? Okay. And I always get hipster cred because I can say Sir John Gilgood, and nobody else says <laughs> Sir John Gilgood. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. No, it's no. Uh, but I am. There are a lot of very involved Sherlock Holmes societies, which are kind of hard to explain. A lot of them seem to are, a lot of them are based on the East Coast and are basically secret societies that are themed Sherlock Holmes. They're old. Most of them were founded in like the 30s. Oh, and, wow. But, yeah. And, and, they're, and, and they're still around and they had celebrity members like Isaac Osmov and they currently have celebrity members like Neil Gaiman. And... I love these guys and I hang around with these guys. They have a big to do every January in New York. But one of the, one of the things you do have to do with these guys is to keep up your cred periodically, write a, you know, <laughs> academic, you have to write an academic article about Sherlock Holmes every other year or so. Okay. Although probably, although probably this game will sort of 
count as my vat. So yes, no, I've written articles about Sherlock Holmes for Sherlock Holmes academic journals, which are a thing that exist. And I ran into very, very randomly the absolutely fantastic Sherlock Holmes annotator, Leslie Klinger, who oh. used to live, who used to live, do you know him, really? No, 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 I, that's, okay. that's just really interesting. Oh, yes. Well, I mean, what's really interesting is this, the way we met is a really funny story. Uh, it's a little bit off. It's a little bit. It's just a little bit of a sidebar, but I'm going to. OK, go for it. I want to I want to hear this. All right, now. So you, you can't you can't right, lead right. up to that and not not finish it for me. <laughs> fine, fine, fine. I grew up. So I'm I'm from L.A. I grew up in in Malibu. And my mom and my sister were driving on the uh, PCH, which is this very long, skinny highway that goes, goes through the middle of Malibu. And there's only the one. It's always so. So there's there's always the one and bits of the mountains are always falling off into the road in Malibu. So it's always it's always in traffic. So they were stuck in traffic. And my sister was bored and was reading license plates of the cars sort of around them. And one of the license plates said S. Holmes with a Z, which she pointed out. And so when mom and my sis and my younger sister kind of got level with the S Holmes car, mom <laughs> kind of just mom kind of gestured at the gestured at the driver and got him to roll down the window. And she says, I love your license plate. Are you a detective? He says, no, I'm not a detective. I'm the foremost Sherlock Holmes annotator. And my mom says, well, then you must be Les Klinger. You must be Leslie Klinger. My daughter is your biggest fan. She has all of her books. Also, she wrote this article about Sherlock Holmes. Will you read it? And he's like, okay. And then I send it to him. I'm like, hey. and then I sent him this article because I'm just the hugest fan. I'm like, oh my God, Leslie, Leslie Klinger, you're amazing. Please read my article. And he says, oh, sh sure, kid. And he read it and he liked it. And he's like, do you want to have this thing published in the Baker Street Journal, which is a Sherlock Holmes, which is one of the Sherlock Holmes academic journals? And I'm like, would I? So it got published. And then I got invited to a dinner that you get invited to if you publish something in this particular journal. And I, I just sort of became peripherally part of this rather fantastic group of Sherlock Holmes fans who are all like... Neil Gaiman at one point described it, I thought, really, really well. He said that everybody there was either a judge, a professor, or had a very vague but important-sounding government job. <laughs> wow. That, that is <laughs> so a crazy story. If I may ask, how old were you when you had that first piece published? Oh, gee, I was 17, 18. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. That's that's something then. That's crazy. Yes, it's important because it means I it means I'm a I'm a young un. I'm a young un, you know, in this whole Sherlock Holmes thing. But I predated Robert Downey Jr. My, <laughs> I was before Robert Downey Jr. Because, of course, once Robert Downey Jr. came along, we got this whole new influx of fans, which is fantastic. But I'm at heart. At heart, I'm kind of a crotchety old fan. <laughs> and it, and sometimes, sometimes you'll get that, just like with any sort of you know, piece like this where, you know, you, it's something that 
has always been close to your heart. And then all of a sudden it kind of breaks into the mainstream. Yes. So, I mean, I remember reading Sherlock Holmes books, you know, back when I was in grade school and high school, I had always really enjoyed the writing and just the thinking that, you know, he would always do to figure things out. You know, you would sit there and try to think, you know, think like him. And it's just amazing how they wrote his character and what he could do. And, you know, you're just like, why can't, why doesn't my brain work like that? (laughs) (laughs) Those are really, they're, they are very good little stories. It is not easy to write a short form mystery Mm -hmm. that's as clear and that's as, as elegant as those. And one of my favorite things they do is that sometimes they'll even put in like negative clues that the mm-hmm. clue is something that should have been there but wasn't. And that's always very clever. Those always tend to be my favorites. All right. So we've talked about a bunch of other stuff. Let's get back to a, li- to a few things about the game. So when you were when you were playing the game, it sounds like you were playtesting with some of your little stuffed animals. Did you take it to mm-hmm. – you, you'd also mentioned some things about um, going to like a d- couple of different cafes. Do you have – a normal game group or something that maybe that you meet up with monthly or anything that you, that you normally go and play with and that you started to introduce this to or. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a wonderful comic shop near where I live called the comic bug, which has now expanded also into a game shop and people meet up there and play games and it's, it's rather fantastic. (laughs) So that's an, so that's my nice little game group. I have played it with every single person in the universe, it feels like, at this point. <laughs> I've played it with so many people. <laughs> I hear I hear that from a lot of people who do Kickstarters and who are doing the game creation thing. There's the the normal group that I go to, the one the one game store that I hang out in a lot. Um there's people that'll bring in their um you know, test copies for us to kind of play. And, you know, we'll sit there and we'll play them and we'll give them critiques and we'll try to give them suggestions as to, you know, what we think, you know, would make the game maybe flow a little better or, you know, and, and everybody has been gaming for so long, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good suggestions that, you know, people in my group can definitely give because everybody, the group that I game with is a, the range of games that people like is just crazy. I mean, I myself will play, pretty much just about anything i mean from the beginner game to you know the most hardcore euro you know and we have people who will only stay on that hardcore euro route and then we have people who will only play like you know the easier beginner you know quick filler games and stuff so well there's well i mean to me the scale is always essentially beginner filler games in one side mm-hmm. which are which are totally great and a lot of them can be extremely clever and extremely fun and just exactly what you want for certain situations yep and then of course the other side is a battle is is battle simulations yes (laughs) yep yep battles yep battle simulations with miniatures that's the other end yes our group done yeah, our, it seems like the big thing that's down at our store right now is Guild Ball. That is one of the bigger miniature games that um, a lot of people are jumping onto lately and getting into, which is an interesting, you know, kind of fantasy style soccer game. One that okay. I've looked at, one that I've looked at, and it's it's almost like a cross between soccer and, and Blood Bowl, if you're familiar with the Games Workshop game, you know, game Blood Bowl, 
which is a football game, you know, played with miniatures. So it's, I've looked at it. I've thought about getting into into it a couple of times. I have not taken the plunge. I actually demoed it out at Gen Con and liked it, but I miniatures, I, I don't have time to paint and I'd want them painted. And there's just so many other no, things minich- going on. No, no. Miniatures is a very big commitment. Yes. And <laughs> yes. And it's and it's the sort of thing it's always a little thing I'd be a little wary of because it's it's the kind of thing that I know if I give it an inch, it will take over my life. Oh, easily. Like yes. that'll like that'll be all of my disposable income, all of my spare time. <laughs> painting gorgeous miniatures. Now dad when I dad growing up had the sort of rule in place that I was not allowed to play D&D until I got accepted to college because he was worried that it would just sort of take over my life. And for those, for those of and us I, who grew up with it, it, it did. <laughs> no, 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 it does. That is like, well, that's the whole thing. It's like, I, I don't ever want you to feel like you have to choose between your 70 level, your 70th level wizard and a call and, and, you know, and a college scholarship. Yeah, when I, I remember when I started playing D&D, I was in um, junior high, and I just had picked it up at um, at the one bookstore. Um, I can't even remember the name of it. Um, not Borders. I can't think of the name of the older one. And it's, they're not, it's, the store's not even around anymore. And I just picked it up, and I started, I had a birthday party. I started teaching it to a bunch of my classmates and friends, and that was pretty much all we did from there on out for the next several years. Was just you know live, eat, and breathe Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, people would be kids would be sitting in class and drawing dungeons that would be playing over the weekend. Then, so it was yeah, it definitely it happens. <laughs> so it does, but uh, yeah, that's just a different category. Yeah, so what? <laughs> besides besides playtesting your game, which I'm sure you've done quite a bit. Are there any other recent games that you've had a chance to play or has it been all just Sherlock Holmes and Moriarty's Web lately? Have you had a chance oh, to God. play much of anything else? Not really. I wish I had. Uh, one of the nice things about Kickstarter is that I'm now since I'm on Kickstarter, I've you know become much more active in poking around Kickstarter and mm-hmm. like finding other finding other interesting interesting looking games on there so i'm you know excited for when and if those show up oh god uh yeah no it's it's been moriarty's web and things that i think are relevant to the design of moriarty's web so cooperative games and you know one of the one of the early inspirations behind my design is what would pandemic look like if you played it on kind of a carcass on board carcass okay. tiles hmm. that sounds which interesting. is which yeah i thought it sounded interesting too and that's always a, a a nice fun way to begin to create a game it's like well what if you just sort of mashed these two different games together what would that look like uh, sorry, I don't know. Sorry, I, I don't think I'm much fun. I've been just living and eating and breathing this for the last. It's it's that's the thing about a Kickstarter, and obviously this is not my my only job. I have I, I 
you know, when I'm not board game designing, I, I ghostwrite. So I have to keep up those projects as well. And, and my goodness, Kickstarter took, took up, takes up a lot more time than I thought it would. Yes. I've heard that from several different people that I've interviewed as well. They're just like, wow, they're the amount of time and effort that they actually have to put into a Kickstarter. They didn't realize it was going to be that much. (laughs) So you're not, you're not the first person that I have heard that from. Oh no, no! It's I mean it's 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 like rewarding and fantastic. All of these different people from all over the world wanting like wanting out of all the games they could pay they could pay for they could they're paying for mine and mm-hmm. and then you know giving me all these lovely lovely messages and it's all very encouraging and fantastic. But yeah, now, no, no. as far as board games go, is there a special or? I guess a certain genre or maybe like a mechanic that you prefer, like worker placement. I mean, your game's a tile placement, so obviously you like tile placement, but maybe something besides mm-hmm. that, you know, that like there, you know, any, any sort of particular thing like that, that you have. Huh. That's an interesting, interesting question. I, I tend to not hugely think of, games and that kind of like segmented way, like that. i guess okay yeah I, d- I don't know that's well I, I know there's some people like in my game group who really love worker placement games you know and play a lot of those there's other people who will prefer like you know area control type games right there's other people who prefer I don't know. games <laughs> Well, I mean, you can have area control card games. I mean, yes, you can. Yes, yes, you can. Yes, you can. But like, you know, <laughs> and yeah. there's and there's and there's stuff that will mix all of those into 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 like one thing. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Uh, I suppose that that sort of has two answers. One is that like one of my very favorite things is when you have a game that's built around like one very clever central mechanic. Mm-hmm. Like, like there's this. Like the, there's this the, there's this Ravensburger game called Heimlich Heimlichen Co. It's called something else in the U.S. Undercover, I think. But it's all about that nobody knows which mover is anybody else's mover, and that's essentially the, the central conceit of the game. Everything else sort of revolves around that in a very kind of elegant way. And I love games that are constructed like that. Hmm, that sounds interesting. I love games with unusual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is. I love games with sort of unusual boards. That, that I love moving boards. Dad, one of the first games Dad, it, actually my dad invented, is, is still one of my favorites. It's a sort of Mad Max type game called Thunder Road. I, where, was, actually, I was telling my wife about that one earlier. I was like, I go, that's one I actually would like to add to my collection sometime. Oh, God. Get Thunder Road. It's the funnest. <laughs> it's the funnest game ever. It's because because you're on a you're because you you have you're on a road so mm-hmm. you know you have two boards and everybody's racing and if you can't get off uh, off the the backboard fast backboard before somebody needs to go onto you know the next board your car is lost. It's also one of the very few. A lot of mostly I don't really like uh, elimination as a game as a as a board game mechanic because mm-hmm. it's just you know it's. It's not fun if you're the one who gets eliminated. Right. Nope, nope. I agree 100%. Yep. You know. Yeah. So, uh, 
but but the Thunder Road is is one of the very few elimination based games that I actually like, and I think actually think it works. Oh God, it's 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 a difficult thing because there's the games I like in my capacity as game designer, and then there's the like o- almost the games that I think of as my guilty pleasure games, which aren't really guilty pleasure games, but they tend <laughs> to be like they they tend to be. Oh God, uh, they, so, they tend to be just games where that allow me to get extremely kind of aggressive and conquer and, and conquer the world in, in in some kind of some kind of way. So what and are I, what are a couple I, of these guilty know, pleasures? And I know that that's sort of like like kind of area. I know that's sort of area control. Mm. Like Risk is fantastic. Risk is so much fun. We get really really we get really really into playing Risk because like the normal Risk board it's too small. Mm-hmm. And what on earth is the point of playing Risk unless you can pretend you're a general in like a boardroom? So you need a giant Risk board that's like the size of a dining room table. And what is up with those horrible tenor pieces? The entire point of risk is you turn in all your risk cards and also the risk cards of that other person who you like wiped out completely. You turn in all the risk cards and then you get this gigantic pile of wor- like this giant world conquering army that you have to pick it up with two hands and then you just put it all down on one country. That is funny that you say risk because my wife, my wife loves risk and my wife is, my wife is very good at risk and my wife has beaten me a lot over the years at risk. (laughs) I'm not allowed to play risk with my friends anymore. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. No. So, so risk, I, um, I actually really enjoyed, enjoyed Illuminati, which is the other Steve, Oh God, the Munchkin guy. His Steve Jackson. Steve. Yeah, yeah his, the Illuminati card one. game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's 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 very funny and very you know, that's that's very that's that's very fun. And I actually think it's sort of is similar. Has sort of feels play wise sort of weirdly similar to Risk. So I I don't know. <sighs> I know. So, All right. <laughs> So back to Sherlock Holmes. What else mm. do we want to talk about with your game? I think we've, I think I've asked most of the questions I had about the game. Is there anything you think maybe we missed that, maybe you haven't mentioned about the game? Any sort of, any anything you know with the game at all? Are you possibly working on any expansions? Maybe. Oh yes. Well, I mean, it, it just seems. I mean, of course, I of course I have ideas for expansions, but it's just so very much. I'm just in this current thing right now. Something that is sort of fun that I've mentioned before is that this game is is very very much a family effort. Mm-hmm. Like uh, you know, our our family like we have a. We're, we're, we have a very, very artistic. I'm, I'm part of a very artistic family. We're all very, very close, and we are effectively at this point a very small game company. So, like, Dad and I invented it, and I'm, you know, running the Kickstarter page. But my mom and my sister are running so are, are running so much of the exterior marketing, and my other sister did both the art, which is absolutely ridiculously stunning, and all of the graphic design for the box and for the instructions and all of that. So, like, it's all essentially completely internal. Just our family 
you know, our family and then a couple of family friends did kind of everything, mm-hmm. which is really cool. It was a really cool experience doing that. Oh, I can, I can imagine. I mean, that would be, that'd be really cool if I could get my family to do something like this, but I'm probably the biggest gamer in my family and I wouldn't, (laughs) we, I don't, I don't have a brother that is an artist as good as your sister. (laughs) And I do like, I mean, the art is really cool. It almost looks like it's like watercolors or something. Mm, It's It's It's, all watercolors. It's really, it is. It's, it's a really unique art style, which I think is pretty cool. Yes, and one of the rewards on Kickstarter is you can actually buy some of the artwork and have it for your very own. It is total, and it, it is such a deal because you know Emily sells her artwork for quite a bit. I know it's it's funny. We're like the, probably the game we play most as a family is is like Hearts. Okay, you know, like Bridge Light. Yep. We play hearts all the time. And that sort of seems to work the best. Like there are all the because risk somebody me tends to get too competitive. <laughs> and <laughs> and you know and and then there's and then there's clue which we all cheat. <laughs> and we all know we all cheat. <laughs> and then the game is who cheats the best? <laughs> That's funny. Who can get away with it the best? (laughs) Well, that's the thing. And it's like the whole thing. We know we're all cheating, but you still can't be caught cheating. Mm -hmm. That's against the rules. Well, yeah, we have, we have, we have a a funny relationship. We have, we have a funny relationship with games. (laughs) Cool. All right. Well, if there's anything else you want to talk about. I will let you say any last words. If not, I don't think I have any more questions to ask you. I think we've pretty much gone through them all and we've been chatting for a little while now. So (laughs) I think that's about it. Actually. I, I, I can't think of anything particularly more that I want to say. It's a very cool little game. It's very clever. It's very elegant. I'm very proud of it. And I've played it 80 billion times, but I'm not sick of it yet. Which is actually very cool. I was positive that I would be. I, I tend to be. I, I tend to get sick of games that I invent after I play them eight billion times. Well, it seems like the and, replay... and then go ahead. No, no, and no, and then you put them away for a while, and then you come back to them, and it's fine. But you know. Yeah, I was going to say the replayability of the game though seems like it's pretty good because I mean you have the multi, you know, you have multiple tiles that you're going to be you know, choosing, and you can choose any one of the different stacks that, you know, are available. The Moriarty cards yes. are going to be randomized every time. So just like in the video you posted on the site, you could get a bunch of crimes committed all at one time in one draw and be completely, you know, blown south, or you could get lucky and possibly end the game, you know, quickly, you know, just by having everything mm-hmm. kind of fall your way. So it's, it seems like there's a nice mixture in, you know, a nice changing constantly of playing to where it's not, you know, you're not going to be able to come up with a pattern for the game because it's going to be nicely randomized. Every game ends up, does end up feeling quite different, which is really nice. Yes. Which is really, really nice for me. And uh, I don't know. I've, 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 I've had such fun with just 
touring this around and playtesting with people because oh, people get so into it and it's fantastic. You know, you have your, your little character in the, in the stand in front of you while you play and, and I would be playing with people who maybe didn't know each other that well. And they would start referring to each other by their characters names, which is fantastic <laughs> or building or, or, or building out a little crime, like a little story out of the, out of the clues and witnesses that I, that I had pictures of because you can do that. If you, if you want to build like a, like a little, a little case, like a little story out of the final board, you can absolutely do that. And I think that that actually might be a fun writing exercise for me to try at some point, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty proud of this one. Cool. It is a very fun, very elegant, very, very elegant little game. Well, hopefully with four days to go, you guys can push yes. over that goal and reach it and get this game printed and published out to everybody. And good luck with that. And thank you for joining me tonight. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy last few days on Kickstarter <laughs> to actually chat with me, especially on a Sunday evening. <laughs> that is perfectly all right. Um, there is a oh goodness. There was a first. There was a there was a thing about the time difference with time zone we're on, yes. and then there was <laughs> your your recording program was recording like it should be. But we did get to talk, and it was really fun. So I'm really glad that happened. Yes, thank you for joining me. All right, all right, everybody. That was Lucy from Kiefer Art. I'd like to thank her for joining us today. Stay tuned for some more of the podcast, and I'll be back shortly. Hey gamers, hopefully you enjoyed the interview that I did with Lucy. It was great talking with her. We had a great conversation and I really learned a lot about Sherlock Holmes and Moriarty's Web. If you like the game, definitely go out there and kickstart it. They only have four days left as of the recording for this podcast and they are close to their goal and they definitely want to hit that. So go out there on Kickstarter, look for Sherlock Holmes and Moriarty's Web and give them a little kickstart. But other than that, you know what you need to do. This is the end of the episode. Send any emails to what I'm playing now at gmail.com. You can join us in some conversations over on Board Game Geek under our guild. We are guild number 2440. We can have some conversations there. So go in and post on Twitter. Follow me at what I'm playing now. Don't forget to drop the G, like I always say, on Facebook. Just do a search for what I'm playing now. Our Google Plus page is plus.google.com slash the plus sign what I'm playing now podcast and then as always our twitch channel is twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now hey everybody thanks for joining me for another podcast I really had a good time with this interview hopefully you enjoy it until next week everybody knows what they need to do go out there play some games and then let me know what you're playing now have a great week everybody and I will talk to you later bye bye <laughs>